I'm going to argue with Jason that there's no such thing as a double switcheroo. Eh, Frank's a loser. Lodero. So I officially hate like 94% of Atlanta fans. Guys, I'm going to make you set down your teacups and take your pinky fingers and put them back into the fist that they need to be in because this has gotten far too cordial. I lost to the freaking cat team. Just a whisker. A whisker of a loss. Was that a rational RSL take from Jason? <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm probably the most rational RSL fan. You just got lawyered by a non-lawyer, bro. Hello and welcome to the MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast, the first suspension distraction episode. This episode is brought to you by the amazing disappearing and reappearing FC Dallas Twitter account. Uh, no, no, wait. Uh, actually, uh, this is brought to you by MLSFantasyBoss.com and the amazing Patreon community that we have developed for the MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast. You guys are awesome and thank you so much for continuing to support our show and everything that we do. I'm your host, Reed Connolly from MLSFantasyBoss.com, and tonight I am joined by my partners in fantasy, Michael Denton and Blaine Riffle. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm well. Doing well. Great. Thanks for joining. Uh, we do not have a special guest tonight, mostly because, uh, as everyone knows, play has been suspended for 30 days due to the spread of the coronavirus COVID-19 in the United States. So uh, we're just... Just going back to an original crew for this fun episode that we have, but I just wanted to start out with a little message first. Uh, I know I haven't gotten any questions about this, but the reason that I wanted to keep providing a podcast is because I know in times like this that it's very stressful. And depending on where you are in the nation and in the world, I know we do have some listeners from all across the world, uh, that your situation and your stress could be different. But I wanted to share with you all tonight before we got started, uh, some of the words that uh, the governor of Kentucky shared with us recently in one of his statements, and that's everything's going to be okay. We're all going to get through this. We're banding together. Social networking, which has oftentimes been toxic, is, is actually full of examples of people who are just being the best that humanity has to offer with opening up their their selves to help provide food for for children help provide services for those who who can't get out and and so it's going to be okay we're going to get through this and part of getting through that is not only not going out but it's finding a way to de-stress and have mental well-being as well and that's what we're here for tonight this episode is just to to de-stress distract you sit back relax have some fun we're planning on trying to do this for the entire suspension, however long that is, uh, just so we as a community can come together and get that mental well-being. So keep looking on social media, keep looking on Reddit. I'm going to be just sending out calls for requests. So I've got a fun project over the next two or three episodes planned already that I'll get into in a second. Uh, but I want to know what you guys want to talk about. And literally, I mean anything. We can talk about Star Wars, we can talk about board games, Marvel, Disney. We can talk about anything going on in, in the world. We'll try not to keep it heavy. Um, just, just some light things. So anything that you all want to talk about, send it to me in email, send it to me in Twitter, to Michael and Blaine as well. Let us know because we just want to help be a community come together. So uh, enough of the, the sappy stuff right now, but I did want to get that said to everybody. Welcome to those in chat. Uh, I know we have two-thirds of the Designated Players podcast with us. Hello, Andrew and Adam and the few others that are here. Tonight we're going to talk about at the beginning, the history of MLS fantasy. Then we're going to touch on some of the ideal 
fantasy structure and then ended up with some questions but this is this is my first of two fun projects that i'm hoping to span over the next two or three episodes uh this episode and next week we're going to talk about the history of mls fantasy the post-modern game is what i'm doing tonight uh, 2002 to 2011 and then the modern game so i guess we'll talk later about which which point x.0 version we think fantasy is in at this point i think that will be fun um, and then the third bigger project that I'm working on is trying to, I saw someone tweeted this and I was already working on it, is the fantasy dream team of all time. Caveat, asterisk, star, mm, is I only have data myself going back to about 2012, which is a feat in and of itself. So yeah. anything, thank you, anything <laughs> earlier than that, uh, I've reached out to, to James at MLS to, to see if he can help me with some stats of who scored, didn't have really anything, um, looking through some of the MLS stats as well. They're limited going back that far, so it may just need to be <clears throat> 2012 and forward, but we're going to work on having some fun little like ultimate fantasy dream team coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, hello, Chris. How are you doing? Um have we ever watched a game of soccer outside of MLS? We'll talk about that later, Chris. You just you just hold your question. We'll get there. Uh, but first, we're going to talk <laughs> about just the put history. Just the call for questions. I said <laughs> later on. Uh, but Mike and Blaine, I'm talking a whole bunch. Uh, what's up with you all? Oh, doing well. I mean, I, I haven't been sent home from work yet, mostly because my boss, I don't think, understands what's going on. But um, <laughs> We're waiting for the Supreme Court to put a kibosh on the legal practice so I can sit from home and <laughs> join everyone in quarantine. But uh, other than that, doing well. Yeah, I am isolated at home by now. Um, my company told us today we can work from home for the duration nice. and however long that takes. So, yeah. Nice. And then I'll shout out here really quick. I'm actually going to join Matt Pollard tomorrow night on the Last Word on Soccer podcast. Uh, we're going to talk some fallout from Cordero resigning and some of that legal struggle over there. Ooh, so that will be awesome. a heavy debate. That is fantastic. I guess I should say if people are looking for guests, we're available to various capacities. <laughs> uh, always happy to spread the uh, the fantasy game and general stuff during this time as well. Uh, so fantasy history, what do you guys think of this? Are you looking forward to hearing the history of this game? How far have we come? Yeah, I, I am interested. I'm trying to think how far back I go. Okay, I'm okay. A, That's the I'm first a, question. How far back do you guys go? I'm a 2011-2012, I think. Somewhere in that range. I remember the captain and vice captain rules. Okay, okay. That is the modern game, so we will, we will yeah. get to that next week. Mike, yourself? I think it's 14. I think 14 okay. was my first season. Okay, that's good. Uh, well, I already sort I of... Moved here in 13 and i okay. started playing in 14 so i already gave it away for myself i have stats going back to 2012 because that is the year that i started with uh a fantasy. it's 12 or 13 actually i don't know if i just found those stats from someplace uh but i started playing around that time so not the beginning i i did reach out to skylar redpath at DraftKicks on on twitter one of the fellow fantasy uh, contributors along with myself and uh, he helped me with some of the research relied heavily on the wayback machine to find this as well but mls fantasy the first thing i could find actually goes back to 2002 and what seems to be a formal game uh i found some like like one grainy screenshot from an old new england revolution blog that kind of looked like actual pl pixelated player pictures but um 
the original game started in 2002 and it was called the MLS Fantasy Challenge because it let them have a play on MLS FC. That's, that's very fun. Uh, it partnered with Sporting News, and that was what Skylar remembered that they were partnered with, and he found an old article. But it partnered with Sporting News back in 2002. Your team could be 11 players. You had four available formations, a 4-4-2, a 3-5-2, a 3-4-3, and a 4-3-3. So that was it. That was all you could do. Your budget was $2 million, and uh, you were allowed to have two trades at the start of the game, and then you had, well, after week one, then you had one trade each week after that so it was unlimited to pick your team then you had two trades and then you had uh, one trade each week but those could be banked so if you didn't want to use your trade you could just keep saving up trades throughout the whole game if you wanted to the weird thing though with this first game is say you wanted more trades now this this blew my mind say you wanted more trades you could buy them and not with like fantasy money like you could send money real american dollars to whoever i don't know if it was sporting news or whatever's going on so for one dollar you could get an extra transfer for four dollars you could get five extra transfers and for eight dollars you could get 11 extra transfers and you could just you could just do that and that blew my mind that in 2002 mls had microtransactions as part of the fantasy game i was about to say was this like mls raids shadow legends or like I, I guess someone from ea was working for mls at the time but or maybe for sporting news i don't know but it blew my mind uh and then the price changes were based on the transfer market so th the game touts it as the only thing of its kind and i don't know the history of fantasy premier league to know if this is true or not but it was basically the fantasy premier league uh, system of transfers in transfers out the market system the stock market helped with uh, the player prices and i got some information about some of the points and this was pretty consistent for the life of this game uh, which i guess we could call this 1.0 i don't know but a goal was worth 75 points an assist was worth 50 points uh if you got a red card it was minus 25 points only the goalkeeper got a clean sheet and that was 50 points and some various things like that. Uh, or sorry, defenders wow. also got clean sheets for 30 points. So they were separate. That's what that is. They were separate. Mm. And then goalkeepers got uh, five points for a save. So very limited, very inflated. So the, the prices were just nothing. Inflation had hit that. And uh, <laughs> and then the the points were just, just crazy, crazy huge. So uh, that was the first version of the uh, MLS Fantasy game. And that was at... Um, mlsnet.com so back before the domain was even really what we know of today would you guys play this game in 2002 i probably would have if i knew it existed like 2002 i would not have played i, don't, I wouldn't have had the money but like i mean 2002 i was still in oh, high school i would have played for free but I mean, I <laughs> well, it was play. free it was free to play but you only had to pay for transfers if you wanted more extra, I mean, you could still transfers. extra transfers yes so i'd like to see that on i know we have a very passionate crowd into limited transfers per week i wonder what would you all say if we said limited transfers but you could pay for more just look just if, think about if we that. have to go to a freemium model to save fantasy in 2021 oh, no. i would I'm <laughs> look. It's better than nothing. <laughs> Pay to win at its at its finest, right there. So, um, what if like you put in the money and it becomes a pot? 
And it just kind of like comes out and out gambling for prizes. <laughs> I don't know. Now the prizes, the prizes were pretty wild uh, during these times. I mean, they still were giving away lots of prizes. Trips to the All Star Game were were the big deal. And I forget which one it was in. I didn't write down all this information about prizes. But at one point, the winner went to the All Star Game and got to hand out hats and shirts to the winning team on the field. So whoever won MLS Cup, they would like, you're the guy out there being like, or gal out there being like, here's a shirt, here's a hat, what's your size? I'm sorry, here you go. Um, that's That was part of the winnings. And I, I kind of wish they would bring that back. Like, I know we yeah, want to give people say, up to the game, but let them hand out the shirts and stuff. That's yeah. fun. Meet all the yeah, players. Yeah, that would be that would be awesome. And I think you'd get a lot more buy-in if you did that today. So moving on to... Do you know how much sense it makes to buy those transfers? But like, all right, for eight bucks a week... For 20 weeks, I get a trip to the All-Star game. Boom. I mean, you're going to make that money back just in the plane ticket alone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's go on to 2003. Nothing really changed the game. We kept, we kept the same format, except the trades did change. You could still purchase trades, but you started out the game with 25 trades. And then you were allowed to purchase up to 75 more to basically max you out at 100 trades. So they tweaked that a little bit with the trades. You still had to buy them. So these first first couple of several years, uh, you had to buy trades with a maximum up to, up to 100. Uh, so was that like one trade a week back then? Uh, like rough, roughly, yeah. One trade a week and you could buy more. So that's how that, that worked. Uh, going on to 2004, everything again stayed the same. Um, Completely. So no change in the trades, no change in the pricing. I know this is a rare occurrence for MLS Fantasy to have nothing about the game change. And and don't get me wrong, going back, that's historically accurate too. So this game is a game of change, for good or for bad. Uh, 2005, I had a hard time finding some 2005 information. I couldn't, there was no web history taken. So I was basically just guessing off of some press releases that I saw. And it looks like nothing really changed about the game. So we'll say for at least three years, the game was the same up to a hundred trades. If you wanted to buy them with the 11 starting players. And that was at 2 million player budget. Then we get to 2006 and... Maybe we could call this MLS 2.0 Fantasy 2.0. Fox Soccer Channel takes over as the partner in 2006. We stay with 11 players, stay with the four formations, stay with a $2 million budget, but we no longer have to buy extra transfers, and we get six transfers per week. Uh, Market structure, the price changes are still based on the market. So we've had six transfers per week, guys. This is not a, uh, a system that is unfamiliar. Uh, would you guys like that if you just had to pick 11 straight up players but six transfers six transfers i I mean i could do that i could play with six transfers okay you could do with six transfers that could probably work i know that's uh, been a, a version i know the the bundesliga has multiple transfers as well uh so going on to 2007 oh sorry uh since we had this new system they also had had some pricing information uh we would get things like a team win would be worth 10 points. Uh, yellow cards minus 5, red cards minus 10. Hat trick bonus, so you've got 20 additional points for a hat trick in addition to goal scoring being valued weighted differently by the position. So 20 for a forward, 30, 25 for a midfielder, and 30 for a defender. Uh, no goal bonus for 
a goalkeeper. Sorry about that. So not a lot. Mostly just the goal scored and assist stats again and some clean sheet information. Not the robust system that we had today. Um, going into 2007, we get uh, a little bit of a shift. When we go into 2007, we get a game that only gives you one formation. You could only have a 4-4-2. So we lost the ability to... Uh, change our formations. Could you guys imagine that? Would you like to be locked in one formation every week? That doesn't bother me. No? It would, okay. That wouldn't kill it if everybody had it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it was a 4-4-2. You could have three players from each team, and you had to get one keeper, four defenders, four midfielders, and two forwards. So you could never have more than two forwards, not even for like a utility player or benches. Like, so there was no bench. Let me add that too. There was no bench at this time either. However, 2007 was the introduction of the captain. And that was the first time you could have... A, uh, a double point player and the budget went from 2 million to 100 million uh, you had a limit of 4 trades per week and no carryover and the budget was still based on market so uh, this is I guess kind of a blend of what EPL is FEL is right now some of the early of the modern game uh, with the bits of these systems here but I don't know I don't like that locked into 442 formation I don't I could see that, and given what we have, I don't think it would be good today. But when you're talking about competitive edge, if everybody's got the same thing, there's no advantage to taking different formations. Like, nobody's got an edge. Everybody's on the same playing field. That's fair. We do talk about some of that today with, with our modern arguments for the game. Uh, 2008, there was a shift in the, in the game again. We still have Fox Soccer Channel, but we go from 11 to 15 players but not really 15 players. We have a bench, so you have a three-player bench, 11 field players, and a coach. Yes, that's right. You would pick a coach as part of your 15-man team. You had your four formations again, and uh, you had a team captain, a $5 million budget, so we go from two to 100 down to five. And uh, you get three trades per week, no carryover. Changing your coach does not count as a trade. Still have the market-based price changing system and coaches had their own like stats so i mean you could get for for winning a game and losing a game you get that's how the coach played into into whoever coach you picked that's how that would play into extra points so i think i've seen this this thrown out sometimes in in suggestions for now does that sound familiar to you guys a coach um it's interesting i mean we've talked i mean we kind of use something similar with um, in show league, there's a few roles that base it on whether or not the, the team actually wins. It's not yeah. a coach. It's, it's based sure. on a player, but yeah, I'm not hearing that in the community these days, but given something like show league where you get points for so many points for a win or lack of cards and whatnot, like just overall performance of the team, maybe possessions of stat. Like I could definitely see that being, um, a valid way to add something to add to the game today to give you a little bit different criteria for earning points based on certain features of the, how the team performs as a whole. Uh, so Adam just mentioned in chat that it sounds like to him that MLS could not decide what they wanted out of the game with all these back and forth budget changes. Um, I think that's fair. One thing I could not find was uh, player information. 
because I was just able to get to the rules sections of, of the base game, so I couldn't see some of that. Didn't find a lot of past articles explaining or total player number, so I don't know how, how many people were playing uh, this fantasy game, which is still called MLS Fantasy Challenge at this time. Um, but that could very well, very well be it, Adam. Do you all think, Mike, you and Blaine, think that it's uh, more of a provider-generated change uh, or more of an MLS just playing around with, with what actually works over here? I'm going to assume it's the latter. This MLS just trying to figure out something that works to make the game popular. Uh, I mean, especially in the, at this time, I mean, this is, you know, really hot. I height of fantasy sports and their popularity because this is before DraftKings and all of that kind of yeah. come onto the field. Um, so that that's what I kind of suspect was going on. Um, but like you said, it's kind of hard to see without price changes. And, and, and providers may be a, a big factor too. Yeah, um, it's mostly... I, some, I With some of the changes... I think without having to five, it's weird. Yeah, no, that is. I think without <laughs> having the the actual player numbers, like the participant, the users, that it's really hard to, <clears throat> to gauge. But I know right now, uh, users is a big motivating factor for uh, MLS and and the guys who work on the fantasy game. So I can only imagine that, that was a big factor back then as well. Uh, two thousand nine, still Fox Soccer Channel, no change. So there we go, another two year stable change. Oh, but then we get to two thousand ten. Getting a little bit closer to the modern game, we go. Let's see, we go back to eleven players. We have three subs and one coach, uh, so we still have that same system. Three trades per week, and the price changes are weekly. So we make that shift um, back to eleven total players. And so, which I guess actually, this is just me noting it different in my notes. So forget that. 2010 was the same as 2008 and 9. So again, two years of stability. My fault. My fault there. Uh, but then here at 2011, this is the crazy one. 2011 is crazy. They brought back paying for extra transfers again. So no, those first three years weren't bad enough. We brought it back in 2011. The name of the game... Now, I had some hard times finding some information about 2010 as well. There was, there was definitely a shift there. So some of that is me assuming that it still played the same based on comments I found in forums out of the place. Big shout out to uh, was it Big D Soccer the the Dallas uh, form over there? You guys had a lot of information about starting starting some. There's a gnat in my face. Sorry for those listening on YouTube. Uh, you guys had a lot of information about uh, the fancy game, and so I found a lot of good stuff there to help me get on the right track. So that was where I got some of this for 2010. 2011, uh, the game changed briefly to call the MLS Salary Cap challenge because there were multiple games they had like a pick'em game and various stuff this was the salary cap challenge and for what i could tell it was sponsored by facebook it was primarily a facebook driven game the budget was 35 million you had seven players one goalkeeper one defender two midfielders two forwards and one utility player then you had two trades each week during the season for the first half of the season then we had a second half of the season, so we had the split season again, but you only got one trade each week during the second half of the season, and you could again pay for your trades. One additional trade was only 99 cents this time. What a deal. Then you could get six trades for 4.99, 12 trades for 10.99, or the ultimate deal, 25 trades for 19.99. You could get yourself all of that. Ridiculous. In my opinion, that is absolutely ridiculous uh, for 2011. And uh, that's where we're going to stop right now because 2012 was the start of the modern game. We'll get to that next week. But but there is the first 
eight years of the MLS Fantasy game. Holy crap, what are your guys' reactions to that? And chat, I'm going to ask you the same question very shortly, so go ahead and post. What are your reactions to these first eight years of Fantasy? Well, I'm... I could say I did not start in 2011. I do not remember <laughs> that system. Um, I can say I'm really, really glad I didn't have to suffer through all that. I mean, I'm sure, given the time not frame, nice. whatever was going on, like that would have probably been groundbreaking stuff for a non-draft style game, and probably would have been fun to be in, be part of, and kind of watch how it goes. But I'm really glad I didn't have to suffer through that hearing about it now. Yeah, I, I can't imagine a system which is really based on trades. I mean, because I, I know, I mean, doing now, if some if I was just trying to do it on one trade a week and someone else had unlimited transfers, essentially, they would just crush me every time, <laughs> you know. Um, so it's kind of crazy that that was ever a system. Uh, sorry, this is actually 10 years of uh, a fantasy. Pardon, pardon my math. Um, yeah, no, I, I would not have liked this. Uh, I, I just think that was wild, which again, I don't know what Bundesliga was doing or what, what EPL was doing during this time, but I know myself, I was playing fantasy football with, uh, my friends in college. So, uh, this would have been a total foreign game to me. I don't think I would have understood it. I would definitely have been turned off to having to pay for extra transfers. Uh, I know microtransactions make so many of us mad these days that I could not imagine this game with those extra transfers right there. Um, but it just seems so limiting. And maybe that's coming from a point of where I'm spoiled for what we have now. But it just seems so limiting in, in what goes on. For me, this makes me appreciate what we have even more. Because what I didn't, what I didn't track, but I can tell you from going through all the stats... It was like the early days in the modern game. Everything was was uh, locking at a specific time, so there were there were no rolling transfers, there were were no autoroos, there were no switcheroos. It was this is your game, and there it goes. So so bam, there you have it. Um, and it's 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 just wild. But but really, what does it for me is is paying for trades. Just blows my mind so much. Uh, let's get over here back to chat real quick. Uh, designated player podcast, guys. Andrew says that he is glad he started when he did. He might not be here today. Agree. Agree right there. <laughs> uh, Shannon, hello. Welcome. Uh, you started playing last year. Shannon, really? I, I feel like it was longer than that. Like you were here at least a couple of years. Um, she also wants to know if we played any other fantasy games aside from MLS. And then uh, Adam is amazed that the game survived this long and got where it is now. All those microtransactions would have been brutal to try to compete with. Um, yeah, and you know, that's the thing. Again, I wish we had the player, the user numbers, because I would have liked to have seen that user base. But, I mean, still, the league was so small then that it, who knows what was going on or what else uh, Fox was doing. And ESPN and I think Yahoo may have also had their own games as well at this time. So uh, I did not look into anything right there and i know there was major fantasy league soccer mfls was sort of a third party site that was uh, pretty popular with some people uh, that was also being played but um that was not automated like this one was so we're just looking at the official game right here so yeah that's that's pretty wild uh since people have been asking we'll just go ahead and do this one right now uh what other sort of fantasy games were you guys playing at the time and if you so wish you're welcome to jump into chris's 
question and wanted to know if we watch any soccer outside of MLS. Um, I've played two fantasy sports, um, NFL, football, um, and then I also played NASCAR fantasy for a while. What? Yeah. I mean, because when I was in high school, NASCAR was my favorite sport. So me and my friend, we played NASCAR fantasy. NASCAR fantasy actually really works and really makes a whole lot of sense because you only have one game per week because all the drivers compete in the same race. So you, when I played it, um, it was either a draft style or an auction style. At the beginning of the season, you pick your team and then you go through um, the season trying to accumulate the most points. Um, So... Uh, I mean, I kind of stopped following NASCAR as, as closely as I did, but I mean, NASCAR fantasy w- was always pretty good. Uh, and then the NFL game um, is pretty good, just mostly because it's so short. You know, you just do draft and sure, sure. done. Um, but obviously, you know, if you mess up your draft, you're pretty much done and bored by week five. So, um, <clears throat> and then uh, I do watch other soccer. I mostly will watch Manchester City um, in whatever competition they're in. Um, maybe the odd occasional Premier League game or big Bundesliga game if I'm bored. <laughs> Blank. Yeah, um, soccer was really my first dip into fantasy. Um, I started with MLS. Then I jumped over, and in college, I had a few friends playing some different stuff. I think I tried basketball one year, and it was like, uh, and I didn't keep up with it. I've done a little bit of fantasy football, and I can keep up with it if I have a good league that I'm invested in with the guys. Um, somebody tried to talk me into trying baseball, and I shut them down as soon as I saw the amount of work that went into that. Like, you take all the prep that we do for a show, and you do that daily, sometimes twice a day. Um, there was no way I was doing all the bookkeeping for that. So, yeah, most of my stuff with fantasy has been soccer-related. And I mean, even helping with the homebrew draft league. So I, I took it that next step and started writing my own, which, Hey, James, if you're listening, um, I'll help you get my system in MLS if you need it for next year. <laughs> uh, myself, I have uh, played fantasy NFL and I did that a lot in college. Didn't really watch a lot of uh, football. I would pretty much find, I found one particular tips website that basically had a mock draft and it was like this is a strategy you should use and so i just did that and uh i almost won the first year and it made my buddy so mad because i like wasn't as into it as he was and i refused to make any trades with him because it made him even matter and that that was fun for me uh but so no i just basically did whatever this website told me to do and i did fine and i was like yes this is this works this is good and so i just kept doing that uh during during the four years in college with them but after that didn't do a whole lot uh with with our league never did anything else my uncle was big into fantasy baseball which is why i asked chat about that and i too blame when i heard about it i was like there's no way there's just absolutely no way that that was not it other than that i didn't really do a lot of fantasy sports until i got into soccer uh back to your question chris i did used to watch a lot of epl and that's what got me into mls was i watched epl started playing fantasy epl and uh learning more about that and i thought hey i should be watching mls that's that's my league i wonder if they have a fantasy game and i got into it backwards that way started producing my information uh we'll get more into that in the modern era of the game we talked about that uh nowadays though i i pretty much um mostly watch mls mostly because of prep for the show and everything and uh fpl game epl games are on 
so early in the morning. I'm not always up in time to catch that. But I will try to catch some highlights, and I will if I'm able to try to catch a Tottenham game as well um, if, if I'm able to. So I watch a little bits in there. Of course, I watch the national team. Uh, other than that, I've never gotten into many of the other leagues. I know a lot of guys watch Bundesliga. They have a pretty cool fantasy game I tried for a few weeks. Um, and I think I would enjoy it, but I just haven't gotten over a hurdle to be able to watch some Bundesliga games as well. And I do not watch Liga MX. Um, I've seen some weird memes on, like MLS is closed, but no one wants to watch Liga MX. I don't, <laughs> I don't feel negatively about Liga MX, but I think we'll try to get to that question later on. I just don't, I just don't watch it myself. Uh, but no, I don't. Golf, NASCAR, uh, cricket, other things. I've no, no, man, <laughs> not my thing. Uh, but what is our thing is MLS fantasy. And uh, James sent out a question when I put out a call for what we want to do, and he said, "Let's talk about the perfect MLS fantasy game." So that's it for segment one. Uh, next week we'll talk about the modern game and uh, more about which point X point O version of MLS we're at right now. I'd say we're at least. MLS Fantasy 3.0, but we'll we'll recap next week with all this. Uh, but I like James's idea for what is the perfect MLS fantasy game. So I'm going to throw that out to you all in chat right now. Start telling us what your perfect MLS fantasy game is, and I'll hit a couple of real quick uh, responses that were sent back to us. Uh, of course, we had one response that said the Nerd League is is their favorite game uh which is uh, basically a heavy stats game where you have a certain amount of money to buy players but you're getting attacking and defending bonuses and, and discipline what they call it basically based on fouls uh, but you're getting tenths and hundredths of a point for what players do so a pass is worth five hundredths of a point uh, and assist is worth three and a half points uh, a shot inside the six so it really breaks things down is worth 1.8 points so um, that's a super a super statty game it looks like and it has uh, auction style for for getting to the players for for the nerd league which I mean with a name like that you would expect to be very <laughs> stat focused um, had a response from MLS Fantasy Night Owl and said uh, it wasn't really about the functions of the game, but more about the promotion of the game. So uh, ideal game would be one that goes live more than one month prior or at least <laughs> one month prior to the season starts. Fair, fair. That gets promoted as much as possible by all entities um, and tries to challenge fantasy players uh, to pick a philosophy or or something like that. I don't, I don't quite understand, but that's what he says. This is his ideal game. Challenges, challenging the fantasy players to pick a philosophy and go with it. Um, one has a mixed format of public leagues, 16 or 20 teams. So uh, he doesn't like the head-to-head -head system is what that means. So that figured out from some of these comments. And then also encourages overseas managers rather than excluding them from prizes. A uh, fairly common thing. Uh, also had the White Eagle, who's a pretty frequent follower, responder on Twitter, sent me a message about uh, what what he would like. He would like to see a super sub option, basically kind of keeping the game the same, but having a super sub, which I'm going to call you out, White, White Eagle, uh, kind of having your cake and eating it too, it sounds like, but, but I can appreciate that. Basically, if you have a sub that does better than one of your field players, your sub comes on. So you just get the, you pick your 18 and get the maximum points. That's essentially what what he was saying um 
with that. So so that's cool. He also thought about the idea of making points be dependent upon how long you play. So if you were a super sub, then if you came on, he called this the Alan Gordon rule. So if you came on for the last 10 minutes of the game and scored a goal, that would be worth more points than if you played the whole game and scored a goal. Um, so whatever that's worth. But pretty cool idea. Some interesting ideas there. Uh, I do like the idea of like having just your your maximum points. I can I don't like it, but but that's an interesting idea right there. Uh, but what about you guys? I vamped a little bit. Chat, we have, uh, of course, Adam, a very common request, the option for a draft league uh, in addition to a classic model. Um, designated player, guys. Uh, this is looks like Adam this time is... Oh, sorry. No, Adam, you were saying EPL offers both. You're right. They do. I forgot about that. Um, and Ryan, you are right. Yes, Super Sub is basically the, the best of 18. Uh, Mike, you and Blaine, what do you guys like? Your ideal game um i mean my ideal game is more of a limited transfer system um i like the limited transfer system because uh one i think it eliminates the need for paying attention to your phone during the weekend especially with the way that mls is now um you pretty much have games starting from like midday saturday all the way through the night and then you know a few on sunday um, I think for most people, if you have any kind of social family work or anything on that on that Saturday, it's going to be hard to do it. So as many benefits as uh, unlimited transfers have, for me, I'd rather have a limited transfer system. I really enjoyed um, kind of looking at the schedule and figuring out what's going to be the best over the next few weeks and try to plot out my transfer strategy uh, and arguing about transfer strategy. I thought that was a little bit more interesting to me than just arguing who are the best 11 players this week. Um, so I would kind of go go to that. Um, if, if it were up to me as far as my ideal, which I'm, I'm going to assume that that's what you're asking me because that's just what I want to talk about. So yep. that's what I'm going to make your question into. Um, I would like to have more roles in the 11. So instead of just having forward midfielders and defenders, I would have like central midfielders, wingers, um, and something like that. So whatever formation you pick, you could have those kinds of roles. And so instead of just having four defenders, you would have fullbacks, center backs. Uh, and I think that might break it down. And if you had different um, scoring for each, I think it would make it more interesting. It would open it up to, uh, to for fantasy players to have a better understanding of the game. Um, and something else I'd like to see introduced have just one player per team available. So Ooh. that way, instead of loading up on LAFC, you're forced to kind of spread your knowledge throughout the whole game. And I think that would accomplish MLS's goal of having people watch more of the games. That way, instead of, well, I'm just going to watch the Atlanta game because half my team is from Atlanta United, you'd be like, okay, well, I want to pay attention to Atlanta United, but also want to pay attention to what's happened over in the Seattle game. Uh, I think that would be really interesting. So, um, and I've kind of had that experience with the show league, kind of having more of the roles. I think it's much more interesting mm -hmm. from a fantasy perspective. Obviously, I understand that there's a casual issue there. But since you're asking me what my ideal game is, I say screw the casual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'll shock some people. I'm not going to say draft is the best system. I'm a huge draft fanboy. I'd love to play it. love to see it come to MLS. But... Uh, I like the community aspect. I like getting 20,000 people in a league playing together. I just think the, there's got to be some changes made even to the game we have. Um, 
I do like the really stats heavy, points heavy system with fractions of a point here and there for everything. I think it's wild that you could have a late game sub come in, get four shots in 15 minutes, score a goal, get seven points for his minute minutes played shots and the goal and have another striker who's up there causing havoc, chasing people down, running his legs off for 90 minutes, gets two points because he doesn't contribute anything that scores a bonus point and scores a goal and that's it. And he get, they each get the same points, but they had vastly different roles in the game. Um, I do like a system where it breaks down your passes or I know what we've got 75 and 90 passes, I think is the threshold or is it 60 and 75, something like that. You jump from you jump from two bonus points to four bonus points for your passing if you get a certain number. What happens if you come up one pass short? Like you you miss out on two whole bonus points. I would rather see it be fractions of a point per completed pass and points for passing accuracy throughout the game and do that whole thing and just break it down really, really microscopic on that. Because if you code it right, nobody ever has to see it. You just see your points at the end of the day and you're done. Um, but that really gives some differentiating factors between the players. Um, it's not quite a role-based system. I do think there is some room for that. I think you could easily put in a defensive midfielder spot where you're looking for somebody who is a little deeper and gets higher higher gradings for defensive actions compared to offensive actions and go with that. But I, I just the more granular you get, the better or the more differentiated the scores get and it really makes you pick and choose who's going to play how against which opponent um maybe it's not as casual friendly but i do think it works out for the most part and when you're not having to specifically pick your roles it's not too bad i've been dabbling in DraftKings lately Uh, i start every year trying to get it going and you know i use my what i use for mls fantasy and i take that over to DraftKings, and it mostly holds true there are some differences. There are some times where I know to pick somebody different for DraftKings because of the way the scoring system over there works, and it is more granular, and it pays off, but it still goes back to the same things that I use in MLS Fantasy. I'm looking at matchups. I'm looking at home games. I'm looking at guys who are hot that I would also be looking for for my MLS team. So I, the more granular you get, the better. Um, I do think a limited transfer system is probably ideal for your perfect game. It's going to be more um, or less casual friendly. It's going to be a little more intense. Um, Add some systems for MLS craziness. Um, Two to three transfers per week normally. And if you've got eight teams playing doubles, you may get an extra game, an extra transfer for every four teams playing on doubles. If you have so many buys, you get an extra transfer for so many on buys just to cover up with the MLS schedule wonkiness. But in a balanced season, you only need your two or three transfers, and then you plan ahead. Pardon for those of you who heard me typing real quick, just doing some social stuff. Uh, interesting points. Uh, Ryan is talking right now in chat that um, is really intrigued me. He is saying, uh, particularly looking at fantasy NFL, that something they've learned is that the fantasy game does not have to mirror the actual game and that is not uncommon for some of those leagues to have even two quarterback leagues which blows my mind um he says his favorite league is one which uses three starters each of quarterbacks wide receivers tight ends running backs and flexers um it's an interesting concept like basic basically you have some a set format of just pick however many players from these positions that fit and that's your team so um 
I've I will say myself I've never allowed myself to go beyond sort of this is what the team is this are your formations um, I think that's cool that soccer can do that um, but that that is an interesting idea uh, to me uh, though for myself sorry um, I go back and forth to wanting to know if I should talk about what I do like or, or what I want sometimes it overlaps um i do like having price changes based upon um, averages i like having someone's price fluctuate based upon how well other people at his position did uh, that was something we had a few years ago in the modern game and uh, i i enjoyed that i thought it was an easy concept for players to grasp um you couldn't necessarily calculate it each week to know who's going to go up, who's going to go down, because it really just depended on how people performed. And I think that that is MLS Fantasy's greatest strength in the modern era for expanding and moving away from the FPL version of points and really rewarding players for how they performed. So my ideal fantasy game would include... Uh, a price change system that is based upon player averages versus similar players and also one which still includes the the broken down scoring system that rewards players for functioning in their capacity um, i am a huge proponent of the unlimited transfers based on our format and i would like any game that includes that it's no secret i like the current format where we basically just pick our best team each week this week uh, that being said i would not be against a limited transfer game myself i would want more than two i think bundesliga does four maybe maybe more than that but i think maybe four to six uh, my preference might be six players to help deal with our bye weeks and our double game weeks and call-ups and all the crazy stuff that we're dealing with at these times, CCLs and those sorts of things. So uh, I, if we had fixed transfers, I would want more. And I maintain that it's just a different strategy. Because um, I can appreciate what you said, Mike, about enjoying that, that calculation. And I appreciate what Ryan says about how it's really hard to, to calculate things based on that. I think it's just a different strategy. With limited transfers, you have a strategy of that planning in the future. So you're not focused on generating the best team now. I don't care what people say on Twitter if they catch this. I, I staunchly believe that if you have a, a game with limited transfers, you are not focused on generating the best team now. You're focused on generating the best point total from your players over X period of time. Whatever you decide to set that period of time is, even if it's between your wild cards or whatever you want to do, but you're trying to maximize your points based on a certain range of players and how you're maneuvering your transfers. So it's more about using your transfers within that roster than it really is about getting your best <clears throat> points each week. Um, it's just a different strategy, I think, than what we have now, which is trying to use unlimited transfers to just pick the best players i think that's more game focused than it is long-term focused um so i can't really i'm not going to go either way on that maybe that's a cop out uh, i could go with either way i could do limited transfers if there were like six and i still do like our unlimited transfer system right now but that does mean no vice captains uh only captains i definitely want that as well uh, r.i.p the caparoo 
Uh, let's see here. Going to chat, unless you guys want to throw in some stuff. I'll, I'll push back on something you said, Reed, sure. uh, while you're looking at the chat. Um, you said that like you think the, the system we have now is the best team every week as opposed to um, limited transfers where you're kind of planning out. Uh, I, I do think as what we're having now, there isn't as much as we're willing to absolute best team now because it is a little bit different than DraftKings, or at least it has been in previous times, where we can say, well, look, we want to get the player who scores the most consistently not necessarily the player who's going to score the most. I mean, we're not having picks like DraftKings where, like, I'm going to get this guy, he's going to go boom and bust. A lot of times you pay big, you know, we want to have midfielders because they can score an average amount of points and it's good. And so I do think you are, you, even now, you have a consistent focus for I'm looking to play the averages so that I have do the best overall in the season. So some weeks may be low, some weeks may be higher, but I don't think we're having total boom and bust the way you kind of describe and so there's still that same average that's the same average you're going to have in um a limited transfer system it's just they might be like okay i'm okay with scoring less points here in order to score more points here because i think overall that's going to do better no you're exactly right and and that's what i was trying to to point out is like if i'm doing fpl i i know eventually i want to have two players from manchester city three weeks from now so i'm going to bring in one this week and then i'm going to bring in one next week not because i necessarily think that right now they're going to do the best but in three weeks they're going to do the best and probably if i try to do the best in between then it it's going to average out that i have better on just giving those players right now so i still don't think it's it's actually focused on who's going to do the best this week. Like maybe I think uh, Vardy is going to go off and get a hat trick, but I know I don't want him two or three or four weeks from now, so I'm not going to bring him in. I'm going to bring in somebody else instead so that I can have him for this game and then in two weeks another great game against Crystal Palace or somebody. So I'm, I'm not focused on the immediate. It's just different, um, and, and I really do like – switcheroos too ryan just mentioned that and i do i do like switcheroos sorry i do think one idea that that ryan brings up that maybe we could import is the idea of like the, the positions in our fantasy don't have to correspond to reality um and i mean one thing he didn't mention but which kind of comes to mind when he's talking about it is the idea of just making defensive position instead of having four or three defenders and a goalkeeper just saying we could pick you know lafc's defense or atlanta united's defense um, that would be a really interesting idea. Uh, and I think something that the NFL does do, which appeals to casuals, is it really focuses on the stars. We're not getting into the weeds of, um, you know, who are the linemen. We're not getting into the defensive linemen or the linebackers. We're getting into, here are the offensive stars. Here are the guys you're going to see on the commercial. You can have them on your team. Um, I, I think maybe focusing that might be something interesting that MLS could do that would appeal to casuals. Now, for me, I love finding out defensive midfielders. I think we've talked about it. One of the things I had pushed for at one point was like having a defensive midfielder role so that we could focus on those guys and bring attention. But if I'm, if we're talking about an ideal game for casuals, which I think is a different discussion than the one we're having now, that might be something to be like, look, we're going to let you have wingers, um, midfielders, set, um, forwards, and a defense, and just have you know a bunch of those guys, and you just pick however many – and you try to go from there to set your best team. Um, maybe that's a little bit easier for casuals. Maybe that's a little bit more appealing than them trying to figure out who the best 4.0 defender is. You know, I don't know. 
Um, but that might be something to keep in mind if we're talking about lessons to learn from the NFL. That's fair. Uh, do they have to be different? I mean, to to make an ideal fantasy game, do you have to cater to casuals? Do you have to cater to the hardcore crowd? Is it? I mean, who's who's playing? That's the eternal question that we always always have. And I think part of what we could try to do when we're thinking about the ideal game or when we're thinking about what we want to see in the game is we got to put on our business hat on the MLS hat and and the reason we talk about casuals and the reason some people don't don't like that is. Major League Soccer has to justify something from a business point of view. So if we only have 500 people playing the game, maybe that was okay in 2002. But now in 2020, they want more uh, to justify the ad dollars, to justify the time of Ben and James and other people like that behind the scenes. They they need to have more of a response to get to it. So well, ultimately, we- I'm behind any version of the game that helps the fantasy game be a gateway to new fans and and people who just want to have fun. But Reed, I want to hit on something you said there. Like, should we cater to one or the other? Fantasy football doesn't cater to one or the other. The only difference you have is you have your fantasy game and then you have your gambling games like DraftKings. Mm-hmm. And those are completely separate. But there's real money tied into one. You can't go with something quite as random as a typical fantasy game when people are putting real money on the line. Mm-hmm. I'll give you that. Officially. But most yeah. fantasy leagues are gambling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but everybody knows what they're skill. signing up for. Skill. Yeah. yeah. But something like DraftKings is more of a skill-based game on that. Um, no, uh, the perfect solution would be uh, casual-friendly, very easy to get into, but it would have enough nuance and enough strategy and a top-end depth where you can get into some super competitive leagues and have fun with it. And that's one of the reasons why I think draft leagues go over so well for football and other things is you can kind of pick your league based on your guys, you know, and everybody's invested that way, but everybody should kind of have the same knowledge. You, I know we've got the tacos in every league and everything like that. The weebies, the weebies, yeah, the weebies, but you, and, but they kind of know when they're signing somebody up or they can kick a taco out of their league. You can kick a weebie out of their league every year if they're not really, if they're bringing the competition level down, nobody wants that free win on everybody's schedule or that random loss like we have in head-to-head. Somebody sets their lineup week one, never changes it, and that one week you play them, their lineup goes crazy, even though they've never changed it, and you lose to somebody who's putting up consistently bad scores. Like, But you can control that in a draft league. But I think, ideally, your your perfect system caters to both. It's casual-friendly but it has enough top-end depth that everybody can stick with it and really compete hardcore on that system. And maybe the answer is what we're seeing with the the pick six this year as well. That's a bit more casual friendly. You can come in, come out, just pick mm-hmm. something and roll. Then you could do a game with a bit more depth to it. I think like the Nerd League one and some of the other uh, MFLS that's been in the past, I think something that's too stats-heavy is is maybe too much sorry ryan sorry other guys that are listening sorry myself to some extent because we do talk about some of the stats i think too much of that is a bad thing to, to break it down mm-hmm. just a little bit in simple terms i don't like necessarily tenths of a point i do like modifi- modifiers for away teams but nfl um, uses yeah. uh, to, to me it's not tenths of a point that that because i mean nfl a lot of the fantasy uses tenth of a point to, to me the question is whether or not it's accessible just by pulling it up on your screen you know as long as you can see it easily like okay he's going to score this many points 
casual fan can understand that, even if they're like not going diving into the rules. Like, I mean, even you know, with MLS, like I understand attacking bonus points. Hey, he, this guy consistently gets them. This guy consistently doesn't. Even if I don't understand the specific breakdown, um, I think a casual fan can understand that. So to me, it's not a point, you know, decimal point percentage. It's whether or not it's presented to the fan and to the player in a way they can understand. I think MLS does that right now. To me, the reason casuals aren't playing this game is because MLS doesn't bother telling casuals about the game or telling them why they care. Um, And this is a longstanding complaint. People on this podcast have heard this rant before. MLS seems to think that there's a rule change that will magically get casuals to show up. There isn't. You could create the, quote, perfect casual game, and they will still not show up because MLS is not promoting or making it part of their experience. That's one of the things that NFL Fantasy has. NFL fantasy is part of the NFL fan experience. You want to have a fantasy team because you want to get into those conversations. You want to mm-hmm. start, you want to, you want to be part of the community. MLS, as great as the fantasy community is, MLS has not made fantasy part of the larger MLS community. We are a sub community of the larger mm-hmm. community. That's not the way it is for the most popular fantasy sports. Mm-hmm. And that's going to take effort an investment in MLS. I mean, when you go through the list of that, what I hear is a not a lot of investment out of MLS. I mean, they're literally going to microtransactions that you see on the cheap free games that you play on on your iPhone. You know, that, that that's not a level of investment that you need. What we instead what we have seen is like one sponsor, they get a, a gambling game, you know, that I mean it's a ga- it's a game based off the of gambling. MLS is going to go to every length to make sure, hey, you got your pick'em game this week. That's the big difference. That that's that's what's going to get casuals in and out. So I mean, I love having conversations about what we can do, what is easier for casuals to understand, and, and to keep it. But if you're not going to promote and advertise the game heavily, you might as well create a stats-heavy game because that's the only players are going to be. Well, playing. well, I want to go there. Like stats-heavy. Um, the problem I see with with MLS here compared to football, and we go go back to the football in the tenth of the point really quick. Um, football, you know what your points are based off of, and they give you and the st- all the stats that you can pull up have it. Average yards a game, average reception yards a game, rushing yards a game, touches per game, targets per game. I mean, all that's broken down in NFL stats. It's easy to find. You can go find it anywhere. Um, can either one of you guys pull up um, who's got the most blocks this year in the box? Who's got the most clearances or interceptions? Um, uh, if I've gone, if who scored, I could. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not there. Yeah. Like those are key defensive stats that we need to see in order to pick defenders. They're not and on we the website. Used to be able to see them on the fantasy website. Yeah, before this I, new provider. Yeah, right? yeah, I think so. And I think if you scroll over, and I'm trying to get in there really quick, I think you can see them on the new provider too. But you have to actually open up the player and then scroll over. <clears> it should be on the stats page where you can sort by it instantly. Same way with shots. Shot every four shots is a is a point in this game. So you could look at the guys averaging three to five shots a game. Okay, those are the guys you can kind of count on to get you a bonus point. Some days they won't. Some days they will. Guys that are averaging one or two shots a game are not going to generate that. Like you, your stats need to be easy to see 
and easily translate into fantasy points. And that's why NFL can get away with micro points everywhere is because you can find those stats and you know, oh, 100 yards is a great game. That's what I'm hoping for. But if you get 60 yards, I know how 60 yards is going to roughly translate into points. I may not know the calculation, but I know if you get 60 yards, he's going to get me so many points. He gets me 20 yards, I'm not getting anything. Like it, it, it makes sense because that's the way the game's measured. Well, passes need to be here. Um, you know, I pulled up the uh, MLS stats page just because I wanted to see it. Passing is not even on here as far as I can see. Uh, you've got games played, games started, minutes, goals, assists, shots, shots on goal, game-winning goals, which doesn't matter to us, uh, penalty kicks, uh, home goals, world goals, um, goals per 90, and scoring chances percentage or scoring, yeah, scoring percentage. Um, nothing about passing, nothing about defense, nothing about key passes. I mean, it's, there's none of it there. Um, and that's what makes this game work. And if you're not going to have that easy to find without having to click on a player in fantasy and then scroll over, if you can even find the arrow, because I bet half of our listeners don't even know there's an arrow up there that you can scroll over and see the rest of the stats in the fantasy game. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, and that's what, that's what's missing here. That's one thing I think. And it, it's got to be there. Somebody's got to be keeping track of it for the league. You have to know all this. Oh yeah. Um, I I'll screenshot it. If you guys go in there, the, we do have um, blocks and clearances. Everything is in the fantasy game, but you have to go to the player profile. And then where it says match stats on the extreme right of that white bar, there's no button for it. If you hover over it, you'll see it turn a little bit different shade of gray and that will scroll you over so you can see the rest of the stats. They are technically there, but they're not anywhere where you can find it. And it, you, you wouldn't even know it's a button unless you looked for it. I do agree. Uh, I would like to have the detailed stats back. That that was something I do definitely miss uh, from the old game, and that is a provider issue. Uh, I, will, I will throw out one small defense of MLS, and I think that this modern game, which again we'll get into next week, is more of MLS trying to own it themselves. And when it was pay for play, and some of those other systems that was when it was provided by somebody else so they have gotten away from that at least a bit the last thing i will say before we wrap up this little discussion uh, which will never end one of the the more common recurring and fun discussions i, I don't know fantasy. ryan is starting to kick boot one of my old rants oh, is he, what's, he, what's, he, what's he what do you say oh he's pointing out the other problem with nfl versus mls is that nfl has detailed injury reports Oh, yes, no, no. Yes, that is that is a long-standing rant. Uh, the last thing I will say, though, going back a little bit to the the more varied player roles, I, I could see that being fun. Uh, we have mentioned before that we participate in the Show League, which is a homebrew system on Twitter that we uh, are all members of with Sean. And uh, that league has different roles you can assign to players that have their own little scoring system associated with it. I think that could be fun uh, within fantasy if we did do something based on what Ryan's saying broaden the the spectrum of who you can select and uh, having five midfielders and being able to assign certain roles to them that could modify how they score points so if you do have a defensive midfielder like you said mike that they could get a little bit of a point boost based on successfully completing the actions that that role needs to do which keeps that scoring system that i like as well so I think either having some sort of flexible role system to optional assign. So if you don't want to give it to your player, you don't have to. They could have a base 
midfielder stat generating system uh, but you could go with with different stats there in the show league that we play in that also comes with some downsides too if you don't hit your targets you get some penalties uh, that could be something that gets worked in if they do add that uh, but i could agree i do often say that uh, i think that uh, having the game more basic like this does help more people as a gateway and that two stats focused is is something that i hesitate for but i do agree with you guys when you say if it's clearly put out for everyone and everybody has the information that that does take away a lot of that concern and i'd agree 100 percent. and there are like i said i i just said that's what i i said a lot but uh i am an advocate of having away point modifiers and I, that would add in decimal points i think as well i think that would be fun and would be a way to encourage away players more than we have uh, currently though i think this this new system with double game weeks might help with that a little bit as well but i think there are some fun things we could do a lot of it comes down to programming a lot of it comes down to the resources and you guys are both 100 percent right uh investment from the teams and advertising from the leagues is definitely something we are missing and i wish was available i don't know why it's not available i'm sure there are business things behind that that uh, none of us are privy to but uh, i do wish there was some more buy-in across with everybody for for getting involved with that uh stop saying the show league is stats focused and instead call it rules focused uh, maybe rule focused is the better way to describe show league without getting too much into the details of another game that we're not um, oh, it's. Did I say it was stats focused? We, I, I might have. Oh, okay. Have to be honest, I think okay. we all kind of. Do. I think, I, I don't think it's fair to say it's not stats focused. It's very stats focused, and the Zlatan Target Man argument from last year is all about that. The stats said he was the best Target Man, and honestly, that one role for him was the best thing ever. That's too much. That's a game people don't play. But we did bring it up because they do have roles that have different point scoring systems with it, which could be a fun little addition here. Uh, okay, well, let's move on to our last segment of the show. I thought this show might be shorter, but maybe it's going to be about as long as usual. Uh, let's go on to our final section of the show. And this is just opening up to uh, general questions. Let me ask that in chat real quick. Uh, general questions that, that we have about... Uh, anything anything this is the free topic discussion we have one from twitter that i'm going to kick things off with as chat starts going and i'm scrolling down to it so i can try to attribute to someone but it might be on a different account basically the question is what do we think of the proposed merger of mls with liga mx to have a a massive 50 ish more or so league of of teams. Uh, this comes from a Tamburello seven. I may have butchered just that. Just asked it in chat too. Oh, also in the chat. Oh, it's from Adam Tamburello. There we go. I see. There it is. There it is. Fantastic. And you're here with us. Awesome. I love it when it lines up. So yeah, uh, MLS plus Liga MX fifty team Super League thoughts. Um, expletive I mean, no. I... I mean, I'll keep it family friendly, but expletive no. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not particularly interested in that. I mean, I understand that Liga MX is more popular here. I would just rather MLS teams reach out to Mexican fans by having, you know, crazy things like Spanish league accounts and actually reaching out to them and bringing them into the fold and making them feel welcome. Um, 
I don't really have a preference. I mean, a 50 league team. No, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want that. Um, I mean, I think most people who are excited about it are excited about it. Like from, like someone mentioned in chat, I think like the idea that like it blows up the salary cap. I mean, okay, well then we could just get rid of the MLS salary cap and then we can just go from there um, and, and see how Liga MX competes with MLS uh, under those circumstances. But um, I, I mean, I, one of the reasons I like MLS is because I understand American rivalries. I understand New York battling another New York team. I understand New York, LA, New York, Boston, stuff like that. I understand those local fan bases and those local cultures. And it's interesting to me as, as an American, um, I understand why like, I don't have, have as much emotional attachment to really because I don't understand those local dynamics as much. And while it's fun for me to read up to it, I don't want that as like a regular part of my league experience. So I want to see an American league. I mean, I would rather see MLS split off into two leagues, an East league and a West league, than I would see a Liga MX be part of a league. Or even a central at some point, but we can maybe do a four quadrant yeah. thing. Uh, Central with New Orleans, yes. <laughs> there you go, there you go. Uh, I don't have strong opinions about a, a merged league. <clears throat> um, 50 teams just seems daunting to me from the point of view of trying to provide fantasy content for something like that. Uh, we might have to have different versions of MLS Fantasy Boss East and West and Central uh, for, for something along those lines. Uh, I I have no connection to Liga MX. I don't watch Liga MX. So um, that's not a draw for me to, to have them join. I think it was Shannon or someone that said MLS teams would get destroyed. That's also, I mean, I lose enough as is with Cincinnati. So I don't, I don't <laughs> need to have that every day of my life. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean... I guess it's a, a grab for viewers, but for me, I, I'd still watch, but it would probably dampen my interest some um, in in the league overall if we did that. Uh, very hot. Schedule that. How, how that does seem massive. For 50? I mean, it'd have to be of divisions. I mean, so you I don't would know probably what the benefits yeah. You would get. You'd probably have to go to a system more like football and baseball, where you have the divisions and regions and everyone playing there to get to a central kind of tournament system. Would you have a tournament? Would you then break it down to have? Is it going to be a two-year season where you break it down to have teams playing for a massive table? I don't know. It it seems like too many. You, you'd end up having like a division system like the NFL does, and, and I think then you'd only get occasional from the Liga, you know, occasional visits from the Liga MX into. A, you know the different divisions i mean you have to, that, that's you said like so how many teams are there in league mx right now 20 oh, i don't know all right we have a request and it's a hot topic and i'm gonna pull out hot. let's do it i'm gonna pull out literally a stopwatch because i feel like this topic could go on far too long if if it's not monitored closely <clears throat> oh my gosh my phone just decided to blow up with updates as i'm trying to pull out these clock there we go okay so stopwatch pro rel what do we what do we think guys how many how much time do we need <clears throat> two minutes for pro rel is that too short two minutes each two minutes each for pro rel <coughs> your podcast i have a, I have a 500 <laughs> word article i could type up in about 15 I... minutes over pro rel like this is a hot this is a soapbox for me i don't know i'm putting this <laughs> out the chat real quick so you guys respond while i do a little bit of amping right here the, the general comments right now, Shannon is pro, pro-rel, 
and uh, she thinks it needs to happen right now. And Adam is someone who is uh, maybe maybe anti-pro-rail. At least he does not think that it will work. He thinks people are are scared of it, uh, mostly because the average fan is used to NBA, MLB, and NFL. So uh, you guys are too slow to respond. So I'm going to give each of you guys three minutes for pro-rail. Um, Mike, starting with you. Okay, so to me, I don't think we have a second league division that is strong enough. I don't think that even when if a lot of teams that go down, I don't think a lot of those teams would survive. Um, You know, not to bring back the hard news of the day, you know, into this, but I mean, there's a lot of conversations about USL2 canceling their season right now. And those teams, a lot of those big teams fold it. Um, I, I just don't think that we can financially sustain teams and you know if teams like Chicago for example went down to the second division would those teams survive I don't know if they would as of right now we're getting a lot of investment to me right now MLS is in the state in the phase where we still need a lot of upfront investment into the league and I think with pro rel I don't think owners could justify those investments so in order to incentivize those investments I don't have a problem with having no pro rel if we did have a pro rel I think it would still be in a closed system where you would have sharing of uh, revenues between the two leagues and they would all be within MLS. I don't think we could have a true pro-rail system. I I think, frankly, England doesn't really have a true pro-rail system other than like some teams can implode. Um, I mean, even Mexico doesn't have a true pro-rail system because they can just buy, um, you know, tickets. uh, I think Chivas bought a a license to go back into the, the top league. So... You know, to, to me, it, you end up having this, the same teams be um, at, at the top of the, the leagues year in and year out. Uh, so t- to me, it doesn't add a lot to the where the American game is right now. Maybe somewhere down the line, we could introduce it into an MLS system where MLS 1, MLS 2, um, and all the owners' revenue share. But uh, I just don't think that we're going to have that right now. There's just not enough widespread interest and not enough interest in soccer, at least you know, for American fans to justify having League Two teams or those teams would be financially viable. And until that happens, I don't think Pro Rel can occur. I have to add, and Canadian. I missed that on Twitter. So, all right, Mike, you did that in two minutes. Blaine, you said you could write 500 words. I'm only giving you three minutes to go. Yeah, um, Pro Rel absolutely has to be on the radar for MLS right now. Um, I said with the folding of NASL and the partnership MLS had with USL, it needs to be on the books. And I, I detest the attitude coming out of MLS right now of it's not an option. It has to be an option. We have, what, 40 cities looking at soccer teams. Uh, we've got another 60 that you could think of that could probably host teams at a certain point. We're nowhere near implementing it right now. I agree with Mike there. The lower divisions just aren't there. But MLS needs to cap their le- the league. They really should have capped it at 22 or 24 teams total and then cut it off and then make all new expansion bids, go into the USL program, cut their teeth there and build up the second league, funnel some of that MLS profit down to the development leagues. Um, I'm all for cutting the MLS draft out completely and sending that to USL as well to help build up the talent there. Honestly, there's only three or four draft picks every year that ever make it in MLS. So I, I look at it as it has to be on the books as something that MLS is working towards. We're too big of a country with too many major cities, and somebody's not going to make the cut. We're already talking about teams that are going to miss 
being in the top 28, the top 30, the top 32. And then when we get what's next 40, I mean, how many cities are going to miss out just because, Oh, Sacramento doesn't get one because there's already three teams in California, four teams in California. I mean, what are we going to do? Um, it's got to be on there to give every team a chance to get to the top flight, but MLS needs to take their position at the top and help try to build up the lower leagues to get everybody ready because by putting more teams into these smaller regions and smaller markets that aren't capable of sustaining it yet, you start building like you would with the baseball farm system. I know there's a local team 30 minutes away from me. There's, I mean, you've got farm teams all over this country for baseball and people go watch their games. They don't pay as much. They don't get draw this big of crowds, but they get invested in their teams and they follow their teams just as much as they do their pro teams. That's what you need to do with soccer. And then you turn it into a way to make it into the top flight as those teams grow, because the hometown support's always going to be a big thing. And that's where I think MLS has missed the mark. Pro rail needs to be a long-term goal and something that they're actively using the league to build for that goal now, instead of just saying, oh, we have to do it overnight because we're not ready. Okay, two and a half minutes. Not bad. Uh, so I thought that my opinion on Pro Rail might have been a little uh, hot, but after listening to you guys, maybe it's not as hot as I thought it it should be. Um, but go. So for me, Pro Rail is not a new concept. I know I see that mentioned sometimes, and I know this is by far not a very common experience that many people had growing up, but I was a swimmer growing up on my local city swim team, and that has Pro Rail in it. Uh, we were oftentimes the best B League team, and so would bump up to the A division, but the A division was uh, high schools and country clubs who swam year-round, and we were just a city team, and so we would be the worst A team and the best B team, so we constantly bumped back and forth. So Pro Rel is a, I didn't know the term at that time, but it was a concept that I was very familiar with as a young child growing up. So that experience to me is not foreign. What I do believe, and I think this takes bits from what Mike, you said, and Blaine that you said, is that I don't think the United States is, and Canada is necessarily, well, I'm, not, I'm just going to say United States, Canada, no, I, I do include you all. I just don't know your history, your sports history well enough to just lump you with all this. But with, with the United States, I don't feel like we're ready for that because we're not used to it on a professional league like this. And you need to have long-term family fandom, almost, I think, for a pro-rail system to work. You see that in England, you see that in, in Europe, where it's not just myself who is a Cincinnati fan, it's my father who is a Cincinnati fan, it's my grandfather who is a Cincinnati fan, who remembers when they weren't where they are, or remembers when they played here at this field that's now the City Hall. Like There's this generational fandom that's passed through, so even if your team isn't in the professional league, you will still watch. I worry now that we don't have that. We need at least one or two more generations of fans, so like 50 years or something more of soccer, before you really have that ingrained fandom with people that they will watch their team if they go to USL. I mean, I'll admit it right now, until Cincinnati got to Major League Soccer, I just casually followed them in USL. I knew they were coming up, and I just sort of kept up with some headlines here and there. I didn't follow them as closely as I do now or as close as I do with the league right now. And if they were to go down, I don't know if I would again because I want to watch professional soccer. I want to watch professional MLS. That's what I want to watch. I don't necessarily want to try to catch USL. It's hard enough to get games right now on TV 
for professional league, but trying to catch some of the streams and stuff with for not even living for living three hours away from the stadium can be kind of difficult. Um, so I worry that we just don't have that history of fandom that would survive a team getting relegated and that that would really hurt. Stop. I took the longest. <laughs> I don't know if I win or not, but that's my take on Pro-Rel. That's our take on Pro-Rel, uh, which is uh, not as controversial as I thought it would be. Perhaps talking more about uh, handballs might be more more controversial, but we'll save that for another time. Uh, that looks to be all the questions that we have. We've hit about that hour-ish mark right now so we're going to go ahead and stop here for today but this is what we're going to do for the next uh, few weeks until the 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 suspension is over which could be extended uh blaine asks us over under do we think it's going to go longer or not and uh mike and i both said over that it's going to go going to go over the the 30 days but uh keep sending in some questions maybe we'll talk about handballs next week maybe we'll talk about the new um set piece rule whatever you guys want to hear send that in we will talk more about the history of MLS fantasy uh, with the modern game and maybe get into a little bit more of comparing where we think the game stands right there but send your questions in uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight uh, Mike Blaine any final questions before we close out nothing for me nope Nope. All right. Uh, not much is going over at the social media, but still check out the Discord chat. People are chatting. Hit us up on Twitter and uh, feel free to stop by Reddit with any ideas that you have for what we're doing. Uh, thank you so much again, our Patreon supporters, for being with us. If uh, I know if any of us have to get quarantined or stay at home, if that happens to me, maybe I'll start streaming some stuff. I just bought Stardew Valley because, just because, and uh, maybe I'll stream that to get people some extra content to watch. But thank you so much for listening again, everybody. It's going to be okay. Thank you so much. Good luck.